a lot of people think cash flow and revenue are synonymous. That's not what I refer to when I refer to cash flow. I refer to cash flow as profit, right? Like what's real profit? What's the leftover after you've spent what you've spent? What's left over to, you know, it could be reinvesting your business, but it could also be money that's coming home to you because where you have more cash flow, right? You have more profit. That's where there's more options. And when you have more options, then you have more freedom. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. Welcome to Winning on Main Street. I'm Gordon Henry. This week, we have a terrific guest who can help you run your business better, especially in the number one area why small businesses fail. Cash flow. That's right, cash flow. And his name is Chris Miles. He's called the cash flow expert, and you're going to find out with good reason why. Chris is the leading authority on how to create cash flow and lasting wealth. He's been featured in US News, CNN Money, Bankrate.com, and Entrepreneur on Fire. Chris retired twice by the age of 39, and he hosts the podcast, The Chris Miles Money Show. He calls himself the anti financial advisor. One of his quotes I liked, we show entrepreneurs how they can find and fix their money leaks by saving money on taxes, paying off debt faster, and preventing money to simply slip through their fingers so they can have greater freedom and prosperity now and in the future. Chris lives in Lehigh, Utah, near Provo. Welcome, Chris. Hey, it's such a pleasure to be on here. Well, great to have you. And I'm excited to talk to you because, you know, so often we just hear about cash flow issues and always at the top of the list of why small businesses have troubles and that's your bag so we're going to get right into it let's just start with you know the basics why is cash flow so important to small businesses and why is it the number one issue why small businesses fail well why do you need blood why do you need water right like (laughs) you think about there's blood flow through your body right without blood flow you fail you die right without water flow you you start your, your thirst to death, right? Without cash flow, your business will die as well. You know, it's the same, same basic principle. And you see that happening a lot, right? Because, you know, like, for example, like successful businesses, if you ever watch Shark Tank, you know, mm, you're on that show. How often is it that people come in asking for money, they have this amazing product, amazing business. So from the outside, they look successful, but on the inside, they're frantically freaking out, right? Mm. Like they, they, they can't figure out what to do because they don't have the cash. Um, and that's what's so important, you know, and, and when I talk about cash flow, I don't just mean like, you know, you know like, like, uh, like just money, like revenue, like a lot of people think cash flow and revenue are synonymous. That's not what I refer to when I refer to cash flow. I refer to cash flow as profit, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's real profit? What's the leftover after you've spent what you've spent? What's left over to, you know, it could be reinvesting your business, but it could also be money that's coming home to you because where you have more cash flow, right? You have more profit that's where there's more options. And when you have more options, then you have more freedom. Okay. Well, you, you got right to the heart of a question I was really trying to ask you. So let's talk about that, the difference between revenues and profits and mm-hmm. cash flow. Can you have a business that has nice revenue and is profitable, but still have cash flow problems because you're not collecting the cash? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depending on how you do your books, right? You know, for example, there's a lot of people that out there like might have receivables, you know, a lot of accounts receivables out there where 
you know, or maybe they, they have an expectation of monthly memberships or something coming in. But if that money isn't collected on, like, especially when we hit recessions, right. things like that. And I ran into this situation before too. Cause the last recession, I went from like millionaire to upside down millionaire, you know, where I was doing great. I didn't even worry about money. I didn't even track my money, you know? And then also the next thing I know I'm starving, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to figure out how to do this. I'm, I'm like on welfare <laughs> as a guy, I was supposed to tell people how to become financially free and I'm back in the rat race, you know? And that's, really because you've got to have that flow of money constantly coming in, you know, whether or not you've, uh, you know, whether or not you've, you know, it's on the books to be down the road, that's not guaranteed. It's gotta be something that's coming in right here and now that actually proves it. And the faster it comes in, the more it comes in and the higher profit you've got in between your revenue and your expenses, there's gotta be that big gap. Cause if you don't have that, man, one little trip in your, your revenue or a little trip in increased expenses. And the next thing you know, you're upside down. And that's where you go from free to freak out, right? And we don't want freak out. Right, right. So, you know, you could have a business that, let's say you've booked some jobs, maybe you work on people's houses and you've mm -hmm. completed the jobs. And so you've maybe even like invoiced those. And I guess yeah. some businesses maybe say, okay, I got revenues when I've sent out an invoice, mm -hmm. but you're having to pay your employees. So that's cash yeah. out the door because I got to pay my employees but I haven't collected on those invoices because I'm letting people pay me slowly. And so yeah. I've got a cash problem, right? Because money going out the door, but not coming in the door, even though yeah. I've had jobs and, you know, quote unquote revenues, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I knew a real estate company, the same thing happened to them. Like all of a sudden their accounts got frozen, you know, and they had to like put everything on pause, but they still had bills. They still had to make payments and things like that. And, it's like sticking the stick in the bicycle spoke. You know, if you put a stick through there, all of a sudden you flip over the handlebars and you crash. It's, it's the same thing in business. Okay, Chris. So we've established the problem. Uh, how, do you, how do you make it go away? How do you accelerate the money coming in so you don't have the cash flow problem? You got to look from two sides of the equation, right? There's always two sides of this coin. Uh, one is, of course, is how do we increase revenue? Mm -hmm. And then two is how do we become more efficient with our expenses? Mm -hmm. And notice I didn't say just cut back on expenses, although that could be good. I'll tell you, COVID was awesome for a lot of businesses because mm -hmm. a lot of them just said, I need to pare down. Or in a lot of cases, they had to let you know employees go or put them furloughed. And then they realized what they could really operate on. They realized like, wait a minute, do I have too many employees? Or do I have, you know, am I paying out the nose for the stuff that I really don't need? It's not really a production in, for my business. It doesn't generate more revenue. Why do I keep hanging on to this? So it's funny because a lot of people, at least if they, they pivoted nicely, a lot of people came out of this much stronger, even though there's still a lot of uncertainty ahead of us, right? I think the worst is still yet to come. The truth is that a lot of people came out stronger. You know, I have a lot of dentists that are clients, right? And same thing happened to them. They, they actually were considered a non-essential business. They had to shut their doors for two months or more. Yep. And man, if you don't have cash on hand for one, right? You don't have cash reserves. Mm -hmm. That's a problem because you can't just rely on the government that's going to pay you on time because come on, I haven't got my tax refund from last year in 2020 yet. You know, that, I mean, they're, they're not timely, right? And, and then two, we got to make sure that, you know, if you have to keep paying out, you know, mm -hmm. what do you keep, how do you keep having money to do that? So mm -hmm. if you don't have money coming in, it's good to have some reserves too. So one is revenue and then two is expenses. Best way to do this, is start tracking this, not on an annual basis when you report taxes, right? We don't want to do that. This should be something that should be done at least twice a month, if not weekly, you know, going through 
And, you know, if you use QuickBooks, right, I love using things that give me leverage, right? I, I like no work, you know, that's, you know, I, I pride myself on still, you know, having a, a massive seven figure business and I still am part time, right? Like mm. I'm still working like about 20 hours a week, mm. but you know, that can't happen if I'm not tracking my money. So tracking the money that's coming in and tracking the money that's going out and constantly assessing and analyzing which is this productive? Like the money's coming in, where's it coming from? How can I hit the crap out of that? It's the Pareto's principle, right? The 80, 20 principle, which one gives me the 80%? How can I keep hitting into that? And then of course, um, even then I even did what I call Pareto the crap out of the Pareto's principle, <laughs> which is what's the top 20% of the top 20%. What's my top 4% that gives me 96% of my revenue and just hyper-focus on that, get rid of all the other stuff. So like for me, 2015 with that example where I went through a divorce, which is not cheap or fun, right? Um, emotionally, I was shutting down. I was actually only, I went from working 50, 60 hours a week to like five hours a week because I was emotionally just a wreck, mm -hmm. right? Um, I could barely ma maintain my clients. But what was kind of cool with that is I started to question everything. You know, it's, it's sad that it takes a life event like that to get you to question everything and, and reassess. And, mm -hmm. and I started reassessing everything. I started cutting, you know, back like, wait, is this productive or not? All these networking events I went to, it's like 10 hours a week. Am I actually making any money off this? No. Well, get rid of that. What about these live speaking engagements? Hey, I can do this stuff online. This is before COVID, right? It's like, I could do Zoom meetings. What about that? That's kind of cool. And when I started to do that, also my expenses came down. My revenue doubled the next year in 2016. But as a result, my profit didn't just double. It actually went up like eight times that year hmm. because I was able to get really efficient with my costs. And when I made extra revenue, it was like, it was a night and day difference. It was, it was a, I mean, before it was like hustle, right? After that, it was no longer hustle. Now it was more like a, Hey, I can take a breath. You know, this is really cool. And that's where I think everybody should try to get to. Okay. So let's take one of your, or some of your clients, your, your mm -hmm. business clients, you mentioned you have a lot of dentists. Maybe you want to focus on that. Sure. So how do you, how do you recommend they improve cash flow? both from the revenue standpoint and the expense standpoint, you were just talking about cutting expenses. What are some of the ways they would typically increase revenues and, and decrease the expenses and improve the flow? Yeah. Decreasing expenses. A lot of times we look at, you know, I always joke with like, st you know, staff, right? I mean, do you really, are you really as efficient as you can be with the personnel you have on hand? Cause no doubt wages and personnel can be one of your basic expenses, mm -hmm. marketing sales. Like what are you actually putting money into? It's one of two things. One is, like I said, hyper-focus on what you do best, especially if it's a highly profitable thing, right? Or it's a thing that really is a lead generator, a thing that really brings people into your business. You know, it may not be the most profitable, but it gets people in the door to then do other profitable things, right? Like I noticed, I realized with my, my own model is that, you know, I have consulting that I do. You know, I do consulting for some clients. You know, at first I used to just put all the focus on the consulting fee and that was what they paid me. And then I realized, wait, I can actually make money off of some affiliate arrangements too, because if there's a connection I can make because it's going to help enhance their business or their finances in some way, can I have an affiliate relationship? Well, that starts to help improve my revenue. Therefore, I say, hey, I don't have to keep jacking up my consulting fee. I can actually bring it down a little bit, make it more reasonable and get them in the door and then do more profitable activities on the back end. Other revenue streams can be just additional revenue streams. What can we bring in that will actually enhance, you know, especially if it gives more of a client or, you know, a type of client experience or customer experience that will help that as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of different directions we can go with that, but 
I would, I would say just try to dumb it down, find one of those things at least, and just hyper-focus on that until you can work on the next thing. Is one of the typical cash flow problems that small businesses have, is it the payment flow, the speed at, with which they're collecting or the speed with which they're paying? Do you address those issues? And I'm also wondering, is technology, you talked a lot about tracking, mm. does technology play a role here where businesses are just not aware of how much they have either in receivables or payables? Yeah, it could be a little bit of both, right? I just got off on the technology thing. Remind me of the first question again. Yeah, well, it, they're kind of linked because I'm saying yeah. do businesses have a problem keeping track of what they're owed or what they owe. Mm. And then that ties into how do you do better tracking and managing of that? Should, you, should they be using a tracking system or a software system? Absolutely. Whatever you measure improves, right? There's, there's no doubt. And so, yeah, technology can be amazing that way. If you can get something that helps you track, like I said, you know, with using QuickBooks as a business owner, right? Something simple or zero, if you want to, you know, XERO, right? Mm -hmm. Zero software is another software like QuickBooks you can use, but a little bit cheaper if you're just starting out. I mean, all these things can be great. Heck, you can start with, if you're a small, tiny startup business, very tiny. You can start with just a spreadsheet. You know, you can do something simple as that, but uh, that is not a permanent solution because I've known people waste hours of their life scaling up a business and still keeping that spreadsheet. So you got to gravitate and kind of evolve into technology as you go along. Eventually, you're going to want things like dashboards and, and different types of systems that can help you start to track and manage, you know, even lead flow, right? Like mm -hmm. you were mentioning, you know, how do we track lead flow? You know, where are they coming from? Do we know closing percentages? If, it, if there's a lot of sales and tracking that way. All those things need to be done. And the beautiful thing is it's, it's easier for us now than it's ever been, right? Mm -hmm. Heck, you can even reduce costs just, just by not hiring people for certain stuff. You know, I remember the days 10 plus years ago, like I had to get an assistant for everything, you know, booking my calendar, right? Making calls, verifying appointments. Well, now I can do the same thing paying, you know, what is it? 25, 26 bucks a month for Calendly. Mm -hmm. And that will do all that stuff for me. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't have to worry about scheduling back and forth, calling or emails, all that kind of junk that wastes time to pay somebody else for. I can have that technology do that for me. Somebody else books it. It sends them the reminder, right? Just like I got a reminder from you saying, hey, you know, coming up today, here's the, here's the appointment or in 24 hours, here's the, here's the next, you know, our appointment come up, prepare for this, right? Like what a beautiful thing technology is to allow us to create leverage of time and money in our businesses. Right. Right. Well, our company Thrive, as you know, sells software that helps small businesses automate their client experience. And a lot of that back and forth communication, the reminders, the notifications, the calendar appointments, the bookings, the invoices, the estimates, all that stuff gets automated within the system. And the whole idea is that it makes you easier to do business with because people can just look at their phone and know where they are with you. And also, yeah. as you said, you don't need a person to do all those things for you. The software does a lot of the work for you. And it's cool if you can have it all in one versus, hey, I'm going to piecemeal it together with this little service to do this one thing and this service to do this one thing. And then you're trying to manage different services, have it all in one place, so much more efficient. Yeah. As you said, we, we do find that if it's a very, very small business, like maybe somebody who doesn't even have an employee, they can use one or two tools themselves. But as soon as you start to have a real business with a couple of employees, that gets really unwieldy and you do need oh, that yeah. all in one system. And also it awesome. enables you to see what your staff is up to. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So moving into the technology piece a little bit, you mentioned QuickBooks, you mentioned Zero. Is there any other specific software for small businesses in terms of cash flow management that you're recommending? I mean, 
I, I wouldn't say like I'm recommending per se. No, I mean like a system that you just described could be plenty for that, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with track sales and things like that, even better. Everybody has a different system for that. Like I know, depending on your industry too, because like I have a lot of real estate investor friends, like they'll go on and on about, you know, their systems for tracking their stuff, but it's, mm -hmm. it's very specific to only real estate. So depends on your industry, but usually in each industry, there is something that exists that will help you manage and track, whether it be salespeople, whether it be, you know, some of the operational key pieces, something like that. Yeah. Right. And in terms of collecting this issue of speeding up collections, making sure yeah. you're actually bringing in the cash that you're owed, what do you recommend there? Is it just keeping on top of your customers with emails, with phone calls? What, what, what do you recommend? I, I know as just a consumer, I'm surprised how many businesses will mail me a physical paper invoice. So days and days in the mail, especially nowadays with the mail with COVID, and then they'll say, just send me a check. And, you know, I try to be prompt, but you know, mm -hmm. if you don't remember immediately or don't take care of immediately, that can be days and then more days in the mail. And they're really giving up a lot of time that that cash could be in their pocket if they were to do it more like automatically, electronically. Right. Oh, I agree. Yeah. If you have a merchant account that obviously like does have, you know, regular reminders or you have to teach it or, you know, program and they have regular reminders, whether it be weekly or depends on the, on the, the type of business you're in, right? You might weekly might be overkill, might have to be monthly, but still something to remind them, keep a bug in their ear is great, but you might have to do real touch at some point, but at least take those, those paths first before you just jump right into, Hey, let's get you on the phone. What's going on? Return my call, please. Cause I'm desperate. You know, we don't, we don't ever like to be in that place and be bill collectors, but I, I think that's a big one. I would say in addition to technology is just setting expectations too. Mm -hmm. And from two, two ways you can set expectations. One is you just let them know like, Hey, we expect this, right? We expect you to pay timely or whatever. Like, and, and, and I would even use a little bit of psychology on them say, Hey, pretty much the majority of our customers, if not all of them, all pretty much pay on time. And so we know you're a grown up. We expect you to take care of yourself. We figure we don't have to babysit you to, to take care of your own little bills because you've been doing it for years but we expect that. So kind of planting that seed is mm -hmm. one. Yeah. The other thing is too, is plant the seed in your mind, like only work, focus on attracting people that do pay on time. That was one thing I discovered like 2015 to 16 is when I started going into that Pareto, the Pareto, right? I started, instead of focusing on the people I didn't want, the people that drained my energy, mm -hmm. I said, who are the people I really do want to attract? Like who's my favorite person to work with? Mm -hmm. And then whenever I'd be on my podcast or in an interview like this or something else, I would think of the image and that person, even if it would, I could put a face to it, but sometimes it's just the personality or the kind of situation they're in. Hmm. I would picture them and talk to them. And every time they would come to me, they're like, yeah, I felt like you were talking right to me, you know, and, and they did. And so same thing with, with uh, that kind of aspect of attracting people that do pay you on time, instead of saying, oh, I hate having customers that just don't pay me on time. Well, now you're just focusing on the customers that will keep not paying you on time. Right. Who's on? Hey, I love these customers. These guys pay on time. I don't have to like explain anything. I don't have to babysit them. They're mm -hmm. grownups. They actually, they're, they're, they're full of integrity. They actually live up to the word. And I don't have that situation. And if it does come up occasionally, it just seems like a surprise. It just, that expectation just occurs. And so that's something that goes beyond the software. It goes beyond the numbers, right? It's something that psychologically and even, you know, mentally that if you do it, it's amazing how you can impact and influence your numbers so much more dramatically. You say you've been in the shoes of small business owner and your goal is to help them in the one area that matters, uh, that most business owners aren't familiar with. And you say those are accounting and taxes. We talked sort of a little mm -hmm. bit about the accounting, at least from 
perspective of trying to collect. What are some of the tips, recommendations, methods you use to help small business owners with taxes? Yeah, one, you have to make sure you have a, a CPA that actually um, is an active CPA, right? So that most accountants are passive accountants. Like pretty much their job is they wait for you to give them the numbers. They might send an email reminder saying, tax time, send me your crap. You send the numbers, they send you the tax bill. And that's pretty much how it works. You need somebody who's like really actively like being involved, you know, really getting strategic to say, hey, have we tried this strategy? Or you ever thought about this or this? Let's find out ways to you know, really maximize your tax situation here. How do we minimize the tax burden while still not making you look like you're broke? Right. Because that's key too, especially if you're ever trying to get lending, you don't ever want to look like you're broke. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so big strategies like that, uh, often, especially now with, with the way things are going with, with the online world and Zoom and everything else, there's strategies like the Augusta rule, right? Like corporate rent, where, you know, if you're working out of your house, you know, now one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to be paying a monthly rent payment for your house because that's something the IRS actually targets. But if you want to actually, avoid paying tax on your money, what you can do is maybe once a month, you can't go over 14 days. So they call it the Augusta rule because Augusta, Georgia is where the master's cup for golf mm -hmm. is played. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, people had said, Hey, I'll just do a short term rental, you know, rent out my place during this time. Cause I don't want to be in Augusta when everybody's coming flooding in our town, I'll rent out my house for obscene amounts of money and then I'll come back and I'll live it, you know, live it the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So they'll make some great income. So the IRS said, okay, great. We'll let you do up to 14 days a year. Mm -hmm. Of, of rent that you can earn that you do not have to pay any taxes on. Mm -hmm. Now, once you hit 15 days, you start paying normal passive income tax, right? But if you just have 14 days or less per year, you pay nothing. Mm -hmm. So what if you just said, hey, what if my house was billed the same way as I bill a hotel, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I were to get meeting space at a hotel, get the room, the Wi-Fi, all the amenities and everything I need, what would that be charging? What would they be charging me per day? And mm -hmm. it would not be uncommon to have a Marriott or something like that charge you like, you know, thousand fifteen hundred bucks in the day for the use of that meeting space right well what if you just take the same thing say instead that thousand fifteen hundred bucks a day going to the meeting space what if i just paid it to me so mm -hmm. in my case my company money ripples pays chris miles for the use of that one day mm. for using that my office right like if i'm just doing massive interviews like i'm doing like this week cool i'm using this office over and over and over i can say hey, i'm using this as my rent you know now i don't go over those 14 days a year i might be at 10 to 12 if I'm charging myself like, you know, thousand or 1500 bucks a day, now you can end up being, making like, you know, 12, 15,000 plus a year. That's now coming to you. It's one, it's expense on your business. So it's a write-off, but two, it comes to you income tax free, which could save you anywhere from five, $6,000 plus on your mm. tax rates. Mm. So that's just like one example. There's other cool strategies like um, R and D, like there's your business has a lot of research and development. There's lots of tax credits available to you that most people don't even realize. You usually have to find a specialized firm to help you do that. But I just knew of a, a dentist recently that got back like 22,000 bucks per year because of the R and D credits they were mm. getting. So there's a lot of things, but just know that it requires an active CPA, not a passive one that just takes your numbers and spits out a number for you. Like you need somebody that's strategic with you. That's some great advice. We're going to take a quick break to your word from our sponsor. We're going to be back with more from Chris Miles in just a minute. This is small business expert, Barry Moltz. 2020 has been a tough year for small business owners. The COVID-19 pandemic, the civil unrest, and a contentious presidential election 
any one of which would have made a very difficult year, but they actually all happened in 2020. I've been so impressed with the resiliency and the ingenuity that all small business owners have shown during COVID-19, but it's now time to turn the page to 2021. If your business is now stuck and you're unsure how to grow it in a post-COVID-19 economy, give me a call 773-837-8250 or you can email me at barry at Remember, I'm here to help you any way I can. We're back with Chris Miles, and we're going to talk now about financial independence. I know that's something near and dear to your heart. You're really, you're financially independent. You want mm -hmm. your clients to be financially independent. You have something you call the FIRE method. I guess that's financial independence, retire early. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. What is it? How do you get it? Yeah, all it is, you got to have your passive income either meet or exceed your monthly expenses, right? And primarily we're talking about at home, although you could start translating this into your business too, right? You know, so for example, if your monthly expenses are 8,000 a month, how do we get you to get additional streams of income that are coming in passively of at least 8,000 a month? Hmm. Uh, the problem is this, is what I see with a lot of business owners that they constantly say, they're, they're saying chronically, right? This is not just an early stage thing. This becomes a late stage in their game where they'll say, I'm reinvesting in my business. I'm reinvesting in my business. And pretty soon that hustle now becomes a habit, right? They're always reinvesting. If you ever hear like Mike Michalowicz, who does the, the book Profit First, right? He even says, he's like, listen, if you're, if you're reinvesting money into your business, that's not profit. That's an expense, right? You don't have any profit. You are profitless, you know? And so you got to have profit that's going to spin off and give you personal income too. And even give you, you know, profit, like even above and beyond what you need so that you can take that money and turn it into actual streams of income. Uh, so ways that done that, like mo this is where I work with most of my clients, whether they're business owners or not, right? Because they're all saying, Chris, I just want to get to the place where I work because I want to, not because I have to, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I want to work by choice. And here's the crazy thing. Once you're actually financially independent, even if you're on the way to financial independence, where you just know that the stress is backing off, when you become more relaxed, you make more money because customers and clients are just naturally drawn to you hmm. because you're not, you're not like that, that, uh, you know, that desperate Call it business breath, right? Where you're you're at networking events, hand out business cards, and you're like throwing them like Chinese stars at people, like call me, call me, call me, call me, right? You don't want that. Like that desperation is just gross. But I mean, if you can get to a point where you can relax, say, listen, I don't need that one customer, that one client, because I'm fine. What's amazing is that's when everybody wants to pay you. That's a that should be a huge goal in your life to not just keep putting money back in your business to then hopefully just have a high paying job, and you should have something outside that creates passive streams of income, you know, whether, and I'm not talking about gambling and crappy 401ks and stock markets, because those things don't work. Like that's the stuff I used to sell the financial advisor. It's gotta be something that's outside the norm, things that financial advisors don't offer, things like real estate and things of that nature. Hmm. Your company is called Money Ripples. What do you mean by the money ripple effect? I was out for a run and that's when I get a lot of my best inspiration, right? And I started thinking of the vision I had because up to that point, my previous company, you know, I'd done some of the same work. Uh, we helped hundreds and hundreds of clients free up mass amounts of cash, like on average 34000 a year, just from the business. Not even talking about passive income, just freeing up money from taxes and debt and things like that, you know? And so I was like, well, what is this? And what's my big vision? And I saw the vision of like, you know, the fact that there's a family that I helped, like the one in South Dakota, where we freed up $6,000 a month for them. 
And I remember like the wife was in tears crying. Cause she's like, you know what he did with that first 6,000 he freed up. He actually went and bought a $6,000 four wheeler. She's like, but that's the coolest thing because now he's actually taken off weekends of work. He's not working on the weekends anymore. We're now as a family taking that four wheeler out every single weekend and creating memories. She's like, yeah. I have my husband back. Mm. And so I thought of that couple specifically and that how that was impacting them and, and just changing their life. I thought that and that how that will affect his kids, his family, the generation beyond him, because now it's not scarcity, desperation, it's abundance, right? Mm -hmm. And how that will affect them and the community and the country and ultimately across the world and creates that ripple effect. I see. And that's that ripple effect of freedom that I'm here to create. Because like I said, I, I don't have to work. You know, I don't have to do squat. I can just, in fact, my life could be way cheaper not running a business, right? Like I could just do my thing with my investments and be happy. Mm -hmm. But- the thing is like, what, what do we do with our gifts? You know, I believe we have God given gifts and talents to use to help others, you know, and what are we going to do with that? With that time and those talents that we have, we can either just keep it for ourselves and just take care of our family, which I think is one of the most selfish things we can do is just take care of our family mm. or we can include that whole world to become our family. And that I think is the real difference. That's when we create that ripple effect where we leave this planet a better place than when we came to it. We just have a few minutes left. I'd like to learn a little bit more about Chris Miles, the person you mentioned running as something you like to do. What, mm -hmm. what, what do you do for fun? Is it, is it mostly outdoor sports and recreation? What, what do you like to do when you're not working? It depends on the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> when I first wake up, I like to go work out. I like to go to the gym or I like to run. I am a marathoner and stuff. I wouldn't call it fun, but mm -hmm. the fun part is I like to t always place in the top three of my age group. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, I'm very quietly competitive. Mm -hmm. Like even in business, like I always want to be the best and with running, I'm like, oh, there's always that guy ahead of me. I got to beat mm -hmm. him. And even if I get first place, like, yeah, but there's that guy that was 20 years old, half my age. Mm -hmm. He beat me. So I got to beat him. Right. There's always another, another level for me. So I get fun from that. But at okay. nighttime, I don't want to use my brain at all. I've used it today. Um, mm -hmm. Even if it's part time, I'm like, I'm done. I used a lot of juice. Mm -hmm. let's get on net, turn on Netflix. <laughs> like mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's pretty much it. I like to, I also like to explore. I go snowbird every winter. Like I just got back from Florida for spending a month there. Uh -huh. um, I love to go experience new things, you know, uh -huh. like that's something that now in my forties, I'm like, I never had that in my twenties and thirties constantly hustling in business and saying someday, well now someday it's got to become today at some point. So, so those are the things I love to do. It's like, yeah, I love sports. I love working out. I like Netflix and I, you know, I like new experiences and travel. I got to ask you, what's your best marathon time? Best marathon time was before COVID, obviously. I did it in three hours and 15 minutes. Wow. I just barely awesome. missed qualifying for Boston, which ticked me off. Pretty darn good. Yeah. So we always like to recommend materials that listeners can access to learn more about various topics. Do you have a particular book or podcast that you would recommend to small business owners as a way to improve themselves? Well, obviously you're listening to the show. That's a start, right? That's a start. Yeah. yeah, you should be here. You know, I think, I think it depends on which angle of business. I mean, if you're looking to get technical, you know, I mean, there's lots of those out there. I really don't listen to a lot of the technical podcasts, although I know they exist. I've been on Entrepreneur Fire a few times. I'm about to be on for a third time. Is is always a good one to get lots of variety of experiences. Personally, I've kind of been following more Ed Milet, a guy I knew like almost 20 years ago in the financial advisor world, and now he's getting big with his podcasts and stuff. So I've been following him a little bit more lately. And finally, I'm just always curious how successful people get that way. How do you become a successful person? And 
I was curious about the habits you practice. Do you have a certain routine you go through, time of day you get up, certain way you structure your day, certain goals you have? How did you become a successful person? I think for me, it's there's a few few factors. Um, you mentioned daily routine. Like, you know, in the morning, I like to get up and work out. That's also a good time for meditation, good time for prayer, just getting yourself centered as a person mm-hmm. versus most people where they wake up, they roll out of bed, they take their cup of coffee and they're right there working. Mm-hmm. Like that's the worst way to live life. And mm-hmm. you're not in an inspirational place. You're in a reactive mode, not a creative mode. So I really like getting up, you know, getting that body, mind and spirit going. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you that there's two other things I would say that are habits that really helped. One was just not giving up. Right. Like just consistently beating the same boring drum day in and day out, doing the same activities day in, day out, always just progressing. Again, I'm a marathoner, right? So for me, it's just one foot in front of the other, you know, versus sprinting. Like sprinting doesn't do it well for me. And I just burn out in business. Mm-hmm. It's just taking a nice pace, being patient, not forcing results, but still being proactive. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I'd say that I learned that just it actually got my business to grow 900% in the last five years while working a third of the hours. And that was first and foremost, listening to my intuition, like really listening to my gut. Cause every time I would listen and it's not bad to listen to coaches and mentors or other people have opinions. Right. But you got to check in and see if it really feels right. Like the crazy thing is Donald Trump would have never had the apprentice had he listened to his board of directors, his board of directors were hated the idea. They thought it would be, it would actually trash his Trump name. His response to them was, how can my name be trashed anymore? Like I'm already kind of a controversial guy. And this is pre-presidency, obviously, right? Mm. You know, this is even before that, you know, being impeached twice, you know. Um, but he was like, no, I'm going to do it anyways, despite them saying no. And, and look what it did for him, you know, and, and that's because he followed his gut. And mm. same thing happened for me. When I followed my gut, I started like, you know, doing certain activities in my business that were counterproductive or counterintuitive, I should say, right? It's amazing how my numbers grew so much more than if I had followed just the mainstream advice that everyone has given me. Right. Okay. Well, that's some great advice. I really appreciate it. Well, we're out of time. Chris, you've been a great guest and thanks for your time again today. And really, really great to have you here. It's been such an honor. I appreciate it, Gordon. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and tell a friend or colleague to subscribe and please leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Until next time, it's been Gordon Henry. Make it a great week.